0: Paint pros know what you don't paint is just as important as what you do paint. So the Home Depot has bulk pricing on a full assortment of 3M Painters, Tapes, and Paint Essentials. Everything you need, every day. Like 3M hand masker Film and Scotch Painters Tape. For the cleanest results on every paint job, 3M and the Home Depot have got you covered. With bulk price savings on 3M Paint Essentials. Every day, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. Real Perspective seeks real people with real issues for real solutions from real perspectives. The show features inspirational guests, powerful business minds, interviews with top-notch entertainers, and much more.
1: Hey, guys, it's your girl, Latanya Moore, here with Real Perspectives. We have a fabulous guest, the unstoppable Frankie Picasso. She is the founder and host of the Good Radio Network. She's a socialpreneur, a professional certified life, business, and master coach trainer. She is an author, artist, activist, and philanthropist in training. She just happens to specialize in the impossible. Frankie was named one of the top 50 writers you should be reading in 2015 for her bestseller, Midlife Mojo, How to Get Through the Midlife Crisis and Emerge as Your True Self. That's what we're going to be discussing today as well as No Bull Allowed, How to Lose the Losers, (laughs) and Lasso (laughs) in Love, which we all love. Uh, Frankie has over 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur. She was notably the first female kickboxing promoter in the world and managed the 12-time world welterweight champion. In 1997, she was put on the ISKA World Championships in Toronto. Frankie is here with us today again to talk about her book, Midlife Mojo, and to share her journey to being unstoppable. Frankie, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, LaTanya. So nice to be here.
1: Wow. wow you have <laughs> such a, a phenomenal story and <laughs> And in, in preparing for this interview, I said, oh, my God, like, we're going to have to have you on like five times to <laughs> talk about everything. Um, but I love the, the majority of our listeners are, are women, and mm-hmm. a majority of that majority are midlife or approaching midlife. And so mm-hmm. I love your book, Midlife Mojo, How to Get Through the Midlife Crisis and Emerge as Your True Self, because I believe that a lot, that oftentimes we don't know until we start to approach middle age who we really are because we spend so much time listening to other people kind of tell us who who we are. And so mm-hmm. I love that you actually have a book, and it's a bestseller for a reason, uh, about this whole entire process. So tell us, Frankie, first, we've talked mm-hmm. about some of your accolades and your achievements, but, I think that, that our listeners would benefit from sort of knowing who is Frankie? Who is the unstoppable Frankie Picasso? <laughs> That's a really good question. Wow. I don't, even I don't know the answer to that.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, it depends on the hour. Uh, <clears throat> I love change. I'm a champion for change. I can tell you that. I am a life coach. As you said, I'm a socialpreneur. It's very important to me to uh, have social impact. In, in the world. And I do that through a variety of ways I, through the good radio network that I started. And I'm also an artist. And so when I paint, uh, especially a custom painting, the, you know, the fee, a great portion of the fee or the whole fee will go to uh, cleft palate surgery for children through um, uh, Mercy Ships Canada. And who am I? Wow. I guess internally I, I'm a coach. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. <laughs> You know, I'm all of those things. Uh, but I'm a radio host and, and that's something I absolutely love. It's like the most fun thing I do all day. And also as you mentioned, I'm an author. Uh so a variety of things. It depends on the day. Um and I could be something totally new tomorrow because I'm always saying yes.
1: <laughs> I, I love it. I I love it. And I wanted to, to give you that opportunity to express that because I really want our listeners to understand the fullness of of everything you, you have to offer. Uh, certainly, and why I said we could have you on the show five times and and literally never talk about the exact same thing. So, uh, guys, Frankie is is so accomplished, and she's probably blushing right now, but she's super accomplished, and I am really honored to, to have her on the show. But I am going to shift because I know that I promised our listeners that we're going to be talking about uh, midlife mojo. So what are some things that happened in your life that led to you writing a book entitled Midlife Mojo. Uh,
2: just before I wrote the book, I had—I was about forty-six years old. I went out and I got myself a motorcycle, and I was in the in the <clears throat> excuse me the thrust of my midlife crisis, I guess you could call it. And I had a, a, a major accident; a, a car t-boned me, and I was ended up in the hospital for six months. And during that six month period, uh, my job was reorganized. So I lost my job. I divorced my husband. Um, I was in a blues band. I'm, I'm a drummer. So the band came and picked up their gear. When, the, when I, the day I got hit, I was eight days from going to Shanghai with my dragon boat team. I was on the Canadian Masters dragon boat team. And so it was like a loss after loss after loss after hit after hit. Um, I got home. Three days later, my dog died. She'd gotten out and got, got killed. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the... I had the rod put in my right femur and that broke. And so it was a year to get uh, surgery to get, you know, i walked around on a broken leg for a year. So it was just like I hit and, and I'm like, wow. But while I was in the hospital, it started a spiritual journey. And I started to read um, many, many books. And just strange incidents has happened. You know, I would read a book. Um, and then a nurse would come in and, and, and she said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to go and see, <clears throat> have you read Yogananda? And I said, yes, I just finished Yogananda. She goes, oh, well, I'm going to go see the Dalai Lama tonight. And I go, great. And she came back in and she said, oh, here's a bracelet. That the Dalai Lama wanted you to have this. I'm like, what? Okay. So I put the bracelet on and the next day, there's a Buddhist monk walking towards me in the hospital. <laughs> you know, like, just great wow. stuff happening, right? <clears throat> so we had a conversation. And, and, you know, he had lost a leg and just all this stuff. And it was just, it was just like a coincidence after coincidence. And, and at that point you go, it's no longer a coincidence. The universe is talking to you. Um, but even through it all, and even through how horrendous the pain was and, and the scary, the experience and all of the loss, it was always, uh, I realized that all of those things I had surrounded myself with and all of those things that I thought I was, wasn't anything that I was. Cause we're not, the things that we have or do, uh, or something totally different. And even my body, you know, is not who I am. It's the car that I get to drive while I'm here. But, you know, so when, I, when you look at somebody and you go, oh, look at them, like they're ugly or they're beautiful or whatever, like they just, that's just their car. You know, it's not who they are. It's not their soul. It's not anything to do with that. Um, but they can experience certain things being in that body. So, you know, they can make a difference depending on how you choose to view life. So I came to realize that who we are and who we think we are, other than the inside person, is, is socialized. We're our socialized self, but we're not our true self. Because our true self had, you know, desires and, and things that it wanted to do that it was never allowed to do because everybody else had, had their... Um, you know, their finger on you going, no, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and we want you to do this. And, and so people leading you and leading all of us, you know, uh, to, to be a good girl, to go to school, to get good grades, to, you know, be, you know don't embarrass the family, whatever it is. Uh, we're all socialized in that way. And, and I, I came to understand that the crisis, that midlife crisis is really us breaking out of our socialized self and that's why that bull in a china shop, you know, the guy divorces the wife, buys a motorcycle, goes in and gets a 20-year-old. Those don't last very long, but it's, it's kind of the chaos that needs to happen because change happens best in chaos. And so it's the chaos that needs to happen in order to break free from who you think you are to who you really are, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, it makes, it makes perfect sense because I know that, that I, I know so many people that it, it seems like this this crisis is happening earlier and earlier and earlier and, <laughs> and earlier uh in mm-hmm. life because uh, again <laughs> there there are a lot of people like yourself that are that are writing books and are sharing these little nuggets of wisdom to say listen this is this is all that I had to go through I mean because in listening to your story and loss after loss after loss after loss kind of just to get to know you, it, it seems like a lot. <laughs> it seems like a yeah. lot to to have to go through, and and so just just hearing the just the excitement though in your voice about now being on the other side and now kind of having having that mojo, and and in your book, Midlife Mojo, you you cover so much in this book. Uh, I mean, any issue that anyone's having, I don't care if you're midlife or not, you really should should probably get this book, and, and not probably, you really should get this book. Thank you. Uh, you, you talk a lot about, um, in, in a couple of the chapters and, and kind of some focal points that I'd like to talk with today, is mm-hmm. self-doubt and limiting belief and then the fear of being you. And mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that sort of to piggyback on what you were just saying about socialization and, and how mm-hmm. we are, trained and, and conditioned to be a certain way until we get to this breaking point. And I believe right. many of us are, are really afraid of, of who we are, who we can be. I'll mm-hmm. just say, you know, I'll raise my hand uh, to say that I know for a long time I was. So your chapter on the fear of, of being you is certainly right on time. What have you found though are some reasons that we may fear the fullness of who we are?
2: Mm, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, it, it comes down to the, the, and I mentioned the fears in the book, <clears throat> excuse me, the three fears that, you know, I noticed and in, in the failure, the success and the change, the fear of those three things. So when you fear who you are, you fear, well, you fear your greatness and you also fear failing that greatness. You fear that, you know. Um, A lot of times people fear success because they fear – they think that they're a one-trick pony, that they're only going to be able to do something once and never be able to accomplish it again. Um, They fear the hard work. I mean, it's hard work keeping up with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, it takes some time and effort. Um, And and so – and they fear the change. They fear the loss of of the love of family and friends and, and those who they might have to leave behind as they become their true self. You know, it's one thing to be hanging down, you know, with your girlfriends. Um, and then when you become more educated or and you become uh, your, you know, the veil slips from your eyes and you start to see things a little more clearly um, and you want to get ahead and your friends are going, oh, now you think you're bigger than us. Now you think, you know, are you supposed to step back or mm-hmm. can you put can you their hand and bring them forward with you? And if you can't, you have to leave them behind because, you know, as I said in the book, LaTanya, you know, we come into the world alone and we leave alone. And this is our individual experience. And as, as, you know, horrible as this might sound to some people, We are here for us. And as much as I I am here for everybody, I'm still here for me and my soul and my learning and my um, experiences that I need to, you know, when I die and I go before God or whoever, and and they say, well, you know, you really didn't do what you were supposed to do, Frankie. Um, Maybe that's because I, I stood back and, you know, was afraid of my greatness or who I was supposed to be. So... You know, you hear about karma and, and doing things again. Do I want to do this life again or do I want to get to the next level? I kind of want to get to the next level. <laughs> so, so I Absolutely. want to learn anything I can right now, right? I want to do my thing that I was came here to do, uh, whatever that might be. And I think we do all a purpose um, and then move on. If I can bring you with me, oh, my God, I'd be so happy to do that. But I can't, you know, use all my energy talking somebody into something that they don't want
1: and that is we could stop the show right there because that <laughs> that I think is is really what happens because even not just girlfriends you have family that mm-hmm. will say the same thing you you have this entire cluster of what you thought was a support system and you mm-hmm. you quickly find out especially when you're you're kind of breaking the mold and, and doing some things that nobody else has done and they they probably have never thought about it or maybe they thought about it and they were too fearful to sort of walk in it is is what we like right. to say and so i i totally agree with you i think that that all of those things are are factors in the decisions that we make about our lives and i know for me i've kind of been a trailblazer even as even as a little kid and absolutely you uh, have so I kind of I I see exactly what you're saying because I've I've dealt with the with those very things and I, I I love it when you say that sometimes you have to come to a point where you have to decide are you going to walk outside of your purpose to please a group of people that clearly are not a part of the purpose that you that you were sent here and it's not selfish to say I came here alone, and I'm leaving alone. That's just a fact. That's right. just a fact of the life cycle, and and I love it. In addition to that, though, what are some things? I know you also talk about self doubt and limiting beliefs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How how does that kind of play a role though in our decision making of whether we're going to just go for it? You know, again, being being on that unstoppable mission, or just sort of staying in our our little house that we that we've built so far. Well, our our self doubt, you
2: know, those limiting self doubts, those may not even be our own. They might belong to somebody else like our parents and and grandparents or teachers. So our our subconscious is a sponge and it just takes in everything that we feed it. Good, bad, ugly. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have a moral compass. It doesn't go is this true or not true. It's just a sponge, you know? That's it. And so when it's fed things like you know, be afraid of rich people or be afraid of spiders. It's the same thing. Um, and we tend to believe that until we come to a point in our life where we say, wait a second, I need to question my beliefs. You know, is my belief system my own or does it really belong to somebody else? And a lot of times, it does belong to somebody else because we're children and our parents are teaching us things. And so as children, we learn, you know, um, Oh, you know, here's a really great example. I was watching, there's a new show on, on TV, um, leaving polygamy. Right. And, and yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, the sisters had left five years ago and they went to get a mother who had three daughters and the one daughter, Oh, I can't, I'm going to purgatory. I can't even talk to you people. Go away from me. Um, she was so brainwashed that, that she couldn't even have a conversation with somebody who wasn't in the faith. And so, that that's a perfect example of a belief system that wasn't her own that was that was impregnated into her into her subconscious so that she can't even talk to other people you know they told her don't ever you know you're going to go to hell if you talk to these people so she can't even do that and have her own thoughts because of that brainwashing and so that's an extreme example but many of us and most of us have a belief system Um, Until we come to a certain, like I had a belief system. My mother told me when I was nine years old that I I couldn't, I couldn't have um, this dog until I lost weight. And my belief system became, I can't do anything until I lose weight. Oh, you want to take me out on a date? Oh, I can't go until I lose weight. Oh, I can't go to that wedding until I lose weight. I can't get that job until I lose weight. And that was, you know, is that a, a rational belief system? No, but that's what it said to that little girl. You're not worthy until you lose weight.
1: And there, we could probably talk about thousands and thousands and thousands of those type of that type of mental conditioning. Again, that it may seem like now in retrospect, it, it may seem one way, but it carries over into every aspect of our well, life. Tanya, that, I didn't that know that until I was fifty.
2: <laughs> you know, wow. I found that little nugget when I you know, I'm thinking back and I'm taking this string and I'm going winding it back into my life and going, That's where it started. Uh, I see. Wow. Those are
1: called underlying
2: automatic commitments in coaching terms. And we all have them.
1: I used to uh talk about something called a a, a root cause and in, in medical terms and where where I kind of uh I won't say stole, but I kind of refashioned it uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> for uh, repurposed it, yes, for, for my own coaching practice is the, the term root cause.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: you have to do a root cause analysis and, and I, I worked as an attorney for Department of Veteran Affairs and we would have to, that's just a matter of sort of back tracing mm-hmm. what happened from the, the point of injury all the way down, where was the system failure, what, what happened, you know, who was involved, all of these sorts of things. And it's exactly what you're saying. You know, you, you kind of back, you, you see this manifestation and you're like, what, what, what did that come from? And mm-hmm. you realize, oh, when I was three years old or when I was five or this now has manifested into a way of life that could have, for some people, even started as just an, an offhand comment. But right. I love the fact, what, one thing that, that you mentioned in, in that situation is who the person was and it being, being your mom, because we know that caregivers, uh, parents, grandparents mm-hmm. have a, I mean, just a heavy influence on the way that we think and perceive the world. I was looking at, at, your, at your book, and I noticed that you dedicated your book to your father, and you mentioned that he was your rock. What are some lessons, though, that, that, uh, that you learned from your father that have been instrumental to your success?
2: Oh, my gosh, there's so many. But there, there's two that really stand out. First, my dad told me I could do anything I wanted to do, regardless that I was a girl. So right there, he said, you know, dream, dream big, and dream on, and, and you can have whatever you want. And I believed him because he never lied to me. So, you know, it's like, okay great. I can be anything I want. And the other thing he said to me, anybody can do it with money. And I'm like, okay, now what that means, because I, I, you know, what that really meant to me was, you have to get creative. And how creative can you be, if you don't have the money to start it, or you don't have the money to buy it, you know, what can you do to to create that same situation or or be in that, you know, be, be that that own that business or whatever it is that you want to do without money. And that was so fantastic for me because it just exploded my creativity every single time. There was a long time I didn't have any money, um, but you wouldn't have known it. You know, I, I made things that look like, you know, they cost money, but they didn't, or, you know, (laughs) like stuff like that, you know, like it just, it was just so great to, to have that um, experience from him. And, and, you know, my dad, um, you know, he was a victim of World War II and, and you know, he only had an aid edu- education. And yet, you know, he, he pulled himself up and, and, you know, bought a $12 million company, you know? So here's somebody who dropped big, believed in himself and created the situation that he wanted for himself. And so that was a perfect example for me that I too could do that. And I once asked my dad, I said, you know, what do you think, what do you think is my best trade or what do you think, you know, about me... And he goes, you're an amazing negotiator. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks.
1: <laughs> so, so that
2: was just, you know, so that, that I respect him so much that that meant a lot to me. I mean, everything he tells me means a lot to me. But um, him recognizing that, that meant a lot to me. And he was so proud of that book, LaTanya, because I'm the first author in the family.
1: Wow, I love it. I, I love it. And when I saw that, I said I absolutely have to ask her about that because, uh, again, we we are talking about midlife mojo. But it's like you said, it a lot of the things that happen in midlife, this crisis stage, really stem from things that happened w- way before, probably in our in our formative years. And and I love the you can do anything regardless of being a girl because, uh, again. Um, your father was definitely a forward thinker. Um you are. lots of of men from from that generation and even some today, you know, unfortunately, they don't think that. <laughs> they never they never have. And so to 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 not just think that but but the funny the thing dogs. is about him. The funny thing is, he likes he he
2: likes his women really pretty and stay at home and look after him kind of thing. But he also believes that you can go off and do whatever you want. So it's really great. He like, he he can appreciate both. I think is, is you know, which is kind of cool. It's kind of funny. My dad's ninety six. No, he's ninety four. He's ninety four. Has a has a, a you know a fifty nine year old wife who's gorgeous. And most people think he's a lot younger, like 20, 30 years younger, because he acts that way. You know, he acts like, you know, young. Wow. And, and I wow. think, I it's a, <laughs> like, how, how is it, you know, like, because it's difficult when you get to this, you know, especially as women, we look and we go, oh, my God, you know, I got a gray hair and I'm getting, you know, wrinkles and this and that life isn't, nobody looks at me anymore. But, you know, he never looks back. He only looks forward. And it's a lesson for all of us.
1: I love it, love it, love it. I, I remember when, uh, you, you know, because I have been a single mom, and I remember saying to to my son, I said, you know, money will never be a reason that you can't do something. And no. and I thought about that. That kind of resonated with me when you were saying what your father taught you, because mm-hmm. all of all of these things go into being unstoppable and creating a mindset that says I am going to continue until like there's no life left. <laughs> because that's and I'll tell you another is. big secret ladies
2: never stay with a man for money I never stayed with a guy for money money was not a consideration I'll always make money wow. money will always come back to you but to stay in yeah. a relationship because of money no thank you
1: Mm-mm. wow do wow it. wow I love it. A lot, lots of nuggets, lots of wisdom. Again, from Ms. Unstoppable herself, the yeah, Unstoppable thank Frankie you. Picasso. I love it, love it, love it. So, uh, we we keep talking about Unstoppable, and and I love the, I, I love your story. Like I just, I I can't get enough of it because any every single thing that is. Uh, what What do they call them like life tragedies, or I mean mm-hmm. they all happen in this short span of time. I mean, you lose your job, you miss out on a trip and and fulfilling a dream of a lifetime, going to Shanghai, you get divorced, not to mention now your body's not one hundred percent and mm-hmm. i I really I just have to commend you for that because I know that all of those things play into. Uh, or or have manifested into this great woman that is now unstoppable. Tell us though, from a from a family standpoint, what what was kind of going on? Because I know you have children and and you have a mm-hmm. great relationship like with your dad. What was what was going on? How was your family uh, handling all of this that was happening to you all at one time?
2: Well, my dad lived um, in California and I lived in Toronto, so they were two thousand miles away. So that was that was a little bit difficult. Um, I did it by myself. You know, my kids, my son was 17 and I, my twins were 15. That was the hardest part because they were in high school and, and you know, my son had to grow up and become the dad, really, the, and the caregiver for my, the other two. Um, my husband, my ex-husband, um, he was my second husband. He was an alcoholic. He was severely um, just so abusive and, and verbally and physically. Uh, I just had to get away. I had to get the kids away and I had to get away. And and he did not want to go. Like he just did not want to go. And his family didn't want us to go. And it was very unfortunate. But, you know, I worried. I sent my daughter to California right away because I didn't want her in the house with, with him just badgering her. And the boys, you know, I just, I just prayed that they could make it through. I mean, there was nothing I could do Latanya. Oh. you know, I was hooked up to morphine, and I had two broken legs, hip, pelvis. Everything was broken, and you know, all I could do just to stay alive, really, at that point. And uh, but I knew I had to, I had to get him away. So my dad, you know, had been divorced before too, and and you know, he had did what he called paid the piper. And and so that's what I did. You know, how much money is it going to take for you to go away? I don't care about money. Like take whatever you want, just leave now because there, my son wanted to be a firefighter. And if he hadn't, if, if, you know, he got between my husband and myself, if my husband tried to hit me or do something and my son's now coming of an age where he's ready to get in front of it, you know, if he had a record, he wouldn't be able to do the things that he wanted to do in his life. So I was really cognizant of that, that this guy had to go now. Like there's just no ifs, ands or buts. And, and I didn't want a failed marriage. um, But I had, I, you know, to me, it wasn't, I wasn't the failure. He failed me in, in his addictions. And, you know, maybe part of it was my fault because I had that neon sign over my head that said, you know, come here and I'll help you. But it was the wrong relationship. That was for a client, not for a husband. And um, I had to learn to turn that off. But, and that's why I say I would never stay for money. I gave money. Go, take whatever you want. And uh, that my family is written- more important.
1: Yes, yes. I was just going to say that that that's really a a, a value. It, it's it's really just a, a a judgment call from a value standpoint. What you know, what's going to happen to you know my kids? How how is this going to impact the you know a wider a wider impact on on the family? And so uh, again, I just commend you for being unstoppable. And I know it, it almost sounds cliche. <laughs> at Thank this, you. At this moment. And, you know, he came to the hospital
2: and he said, I'll take you back. I'll take you back. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I'll forgive, you know, I'll forgive you. And I go, you'll forgive me for what? So the only thing I didn't hit was my head. No way.
1: Wow. <clears throat> wow. And, and his wow. mother came wow. in and she
2: accused me of having an affair. I go, what affair? I didn't have to have an affair. Do you see how your son acts? You know, like, it's not about an affair.
1: No. Wow! 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 Now, uh, uh, again, I love the fact that th- this book is really a coming-of-age book, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that even though it's it's entitled Midlife Mojo, I really, really am recommending that no matter what age you're in, this is a great book to get. It is. It it's is a, a great guide,
2: change, right? Really, that's what it is. It comes down to being a prescription for change, and and all of us change at any age, and and there was a review on the book and it happened to be my, my da- my now daughter-in-law when she was 20 and or 21. And when she, she wrote a review on Amazon and she, and she's now 30. And she said, you know, um, her dad had divorced her mom and was living with another woman. And she didn't understand it because she was daddy's girl. And now she wouldn't even talk to him, but she couldn't understand how he could just change one day and want to do this. And when she read the book, she kind of had a, a glimmer of understanding of her dad and what this midlife crisis is and why he went moved on in his life. I I think, you know, you hit the spot where, where you think, okay, I've got, you know, I've lived 40 or 50 years back. I I got another 30 to live forward. Hopefully. Um, Do I want to stay the same or do I want to do something different? You know, do I want to really be happy? Because you don't get, it's not a dress rehearsal. You don't get to do it again. And so it's, it's a tough call and and it does sound selfish, but you kind of have to be a little bit selfish. It's your life.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I was just thinking, like, like you said, it really puts it in perspective when you're, when you're 40 or or 50 and you're in a situation, whatever that situation is and you're saying, okay, so I've done this for the last, let's say, you know, I don't know, 20 years or whatever. And, people, I mean, look at your dad, your dad's 94. So at at 40, he had 54 years ago, you know, like that's a (laughs) long time. And, um, and you do have to make those considerations because if you're in a situation that is not going to change uh, again, I think this book helps with that. It helps to help you put your life in perspective and then you can make decisions from, from there. And, I know you mentioned the, the review from your, your daughter-in-law. What other type of feedback or, or responses have you received from, from this project or really all of the things that we've talked about that you're doing?
2: I, I think that, that people, um, they respond to it and, and they, they get it. You know, it feels almost like a relief. Because, and I'm not saying flippantly just, you know, you're not happy today, leave. It's not like that. It's really about asking yourself a whole series of questions about your happiness and about, you know, your life and, and your value system and, and understanding what your values are. Uh, and it's really like a whole comprehensive, you know, uh, system of, of, of these questions. And so it's not, it's just, you know, if you don't like stuff, just move on, because I don't mean it like that. Uh, it really is a heart-to-heart with yourself and to find out, you know, are you, can you stay in this? Can you be happy in this in the future, or is it time to, to make some changes in your life? You know, who did you – you might be in a relationship because somebody really wanted you to be in that relationship, like a mother. Oh, I just love that guy. Please marry him. And, you know, it wasn't your choice. You did it for your family. You did it because you love them, but you didn't do it for you. And, and so that's, you know, an important consideration, and that's the kind of thing I'm meaning. But when, when I think that people's responses have been – Um, more positive than negative and I, and you know, the idea of being unstoppable, it's a good thing. And sometimes it can be a bad thing too, LaTanya. I mean, I went to see a doctor and he said, yeah, you're unstoppable. Your head's unstoppable, but your body's not. And your head is bringing your poor body along with it because you just won't stop. So there's the negative side to being unstoppable too.
1: Absolutely. We all have to know our limits. We all have to, to keep again, everything in in perspective, but I know in addition to, to this, we, we haven't talked a lot about, again, guys, Frankie is doing so much, but you have a, a few other things. You, you have a radio show, and mm-hmm. I saw on Twitter that you made a big announcement about your radio show. So tell us, what's new? What is your radio show, and what's new that's going on with it?
2: Okay, I have a radio network. It's called the Good Radio Network, and that is a, um, a socially conscious talk radio platform where... We go beyond talk radio into doing good things for the world. So it really is about financially um, and connecting people and the right people to the right organizations and, and those who are doing good things in the world. So that's one thing. On there, I have two radio shows. I have Mission Unstoppable and I have Frankie and Moore. Frankie and Moore just got a new co-host, Frederick Bai, who's French-Canadian, who also has a show, Unchained, um, Creative Magic Unchanged is his podcast, uh, but he, I, I was, you know, I was interviewing him, and he fell in love with live radio. And we had such good rapport on on air that I invited him to co-host that show with me. It's a fun show. It's a variety show. You know, we have we have authors and musicians and. Um, crazy people and and but it's always there's always a non-profit and and we're always aligned with the United Nations global goals because I they're really I'm passionate about those about seeing those changes happen in the next you know 30 years or so eradicating poverty and and you know having gender um Uh, you know, making sure they're all the same and and sustainability in cities and, and all of those, you know, life under the sea, worrying about all of those things. And so I'm glad that people are tackling that. And I want to support everybody who is doing that because it's important to my future, my children, and my grandchildren's future, you know, and the world, the carrying on the world. So that's a big consideration for me and, and, and always will be. And as I said at the top of the show, uh, my painting, I, I, my art is on Fine Art America. I do have three paintings in the um, International Book of Contemporary Artists that were juried paintings that, that were put in. Um, but I loved, I love to paint, you know, animals, and I like to do that to help people and animals. And my husband, um, you know, he he does commercial construction by day, but he's a musician and a songwriter by night. And his third CD just came out and all 100% of those proceeds go to help save dogs and go to the Humane Society. So we're, you know, it's a family affair, kind of being socially conscious.
1: I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, again, guys, Frankie does so much. She's really being modest, believe it or not. With she's just kind of uh, giving us a little bit—not even an appetizer, but a little. Oh, snack, I guess. I oh, guess. you're right. I, and, about <laughs> I buried my chest. That's the new thing. Okay, I buried my chest. Uh, I buried my
2: chest. is a project. It's a book project. Latanya is one of our authors in it. There's 21 women. <laughs> We're burying their chest, their souls, and talking about their lives and um, everything, their truth, everything from you know who they are to their career to, to sex to uh, finances. If you want to know what all of these women think about this, it's going to be a fantastic book for anybody, male or female, to, to read because they're real women telling real-life stories. and they're not, it's, it's not a book that is a sad story. It's not a book that you know is meant to make you cry or you think that really is a comprehensive somebody's life uh and you see where you go from a to z just as we talked in the show who influenced you in the very beginning how did you get out of it where are you today uh what did you learn about money you got into trouble with money okay how did you get out of it um if you did what did you learn about investing or what did you learn about relationships or what did you learn about you know a whole variety of things that people go through their lives and learn about. So it, it's more than just uh, being a peeping tom in somebody's life. It really is. You're going to get some really good life lessons.
1: Awesome. 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 I, I love it. Love it. Love it. And um, the, the book, guys, is also the 21.
0: 21- so yep. uh,
1: Frankie and Alex have done a great job of pulling together a wonderful cross cross national, cross cultural, cross generational uh group of ladies and I'm I'm honored to be a part of the project but I'm also excited to see how the project helps everyone and so we're definitely going to talk more about it. I know we all will be using our platform to provide more information about mm-hmm. the book as it comes out. But Frankie, what is what is the takeaway that you'd like to leave with our real perspective listeners?
2: There's, there's a, you know, I just, well, there's a couple, there's a quote by Lee Iacocca that I love. It says, you know, we're continually faced by great opportunities disguised as insoluble problems, disguised as insoluble problems. And so that's about being unstoppable. You know, it's about, it's about seeing we go, Oh, I could never, I can't get through this problem. It's such a big problem. And yet if you just take a breath, and you look at this as an opportunity for you, that you can go over it, under it, through it, somehow get around it. Um, your life is going to change, because I think that when we really face those fear problems, uh, we grow, and and we learn new skills, and we we get a sense of satisfaction and success. And so that's like a huge huge win. For us, so don't be afraid of those. Tackle them. Tackle those those big problems and opportunities. I have I have what I call Frankieisms, and and one of my Frankieisms is that opportunities aren't lost; they're not actioned upon. So people who go, Oh, I didn't get an opportunity for that. You know, how come she gets all the opportunities? Opportunities come to all of us. We just not everybody you know takes them on. And here's a perfect. Do I have time to give an example? You know, if you've, yeah. ever watched, if you've ever watched late night TV and you see a gadget, let's say, you go, Oh, I thought of that. Well, you might have thought of it, but you didn't, you know, take the next step and put it to create it. You know, you have the thought. And I, I, I have this idea that we all, that there's a world consciousness pool that we all tap into. And so a lot of us will have that thought, but only one of us is going to take action to create it. And that's the difference between actioning an opportunity and not so we all well, got guys, you
1: heard it. <laughs> awesome I, I love it take take action take action take action now Frankie let our listeners know where they can continue to follow you and find out more about all the great things that you're doing
2: thank you uh, you can go to unstoppable dot or you can go to the good and if you want to email me, you can email me at coachpicasso at rogers.com. Latonya, thank you so much for having me on your show. You're such a good host. I love it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show, Frankie. And guys, listen, I'm your host, Latanya Moore. This is Real Perspectives, where we seek real people with real issues and real solutions from real perspectives. Okay, Frankie. That's Good it. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-oh. 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 Okay, I think that's better. All right. Okay. I don't know what's going on with uh with my system. Um thank you so much. That was such a great <laughs> such a great interview. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So when do you air, do you think? Okay. So See, Frankie, Frankie, Frankie. Okay, so we have you set to go to air September eighth. Okay, which is just a yeah in in probably about three weeks. I am going to make sure that you get. There's going to be a follow up email, and the email will have the air date. It will have um, information about where the show can be. There is going to be a show graphic uh, as well. Just announcing, you know, that you're going to be on the show. We also send out. Um, we, we have like a podcast weekly that we send okay. out and basically it's a it's a newsletter kind of but it just shows who's going to be on Real Perspectives in whatever week and so I'll make sure that you get that as well.
2: Okay. Great. Um, because and I'll make up a thing it'll have, for I'll make okay. up a little thing okay. for Twitter when you get it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome.
1: Okay. And then I am asking everyone about their experience with scheduling. Uh, how did you How did you feel about it? How did it work out? Did you have any any
2: you know any issues? Oh my gosh! Like your calendar is fantastic. It right reminded me every ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was okay, like, it's good. No, it's good. Really good. Really good. Okay. Uh, I should use that myself. You're not gonna. Nobody's gonna forget with that. And that is good.
1: certainly the the goal. Um, yeah, yeah. Because we ca- we filled all of our slots, and so we have a, a few people that are like, "Hey, if you get a cancellation, let mm-hmm. us know." So we built in a lot of reminders. Um, as far as the interview, what what type of feedback? Um, any any and all feedback is is appreciated. And then just just how you felt about the interview.
2: Oh, I think you're really good. You're really good. So uh, on like, I'm not just saying that you're a very good host. So yeah, very good interviewer. I thought it was a great show. It was a lot of good energy. It was good, LaTanya. Really good.
1: Okay. Thanks a lot.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, even you just your willingness any- to change and go to a different phone or whatever it was just to make it clear and, and all of that. That was great. Cause it's hard, it's hard to talk to somebody when it's all broken up and, mm-hmm. and nobody wants to listen to that either. Do they, you know, you would just turn off.
1: Right, right, right. Um, do you have any other questions or, or anything for me?
2: No, I don't think so. No, can't okay, think if awesome. I do, I'll,
1: I'll email you after, but I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Well, that's all that I had. And thank you so much. I'm going to get thank ready for my you. next person. And yeah, again, if you need anything, just email me. Okay, right, thank, thank you.
2: you. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.
0: Pros know what you don't paint is just as important as what you do paint. So the Home Depot has bulk pricing on a full assortment of 3M painters, tapes, and paint essentials. Everything you need, every day. Like 3M hand Masker film and Scotch painters tape. For the cleanest results on every paint job, 3M and the Home Depot have got you covered. With bulk price savings on 3M paint essentials, every day, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. US only. Paint pros know what you don't paint is just as important as what you do paint. So the Home Depot has bulk pricing on a full assortment of 3M painters, tapes, and paint essentials. Everything you need, every day. Like 3M hand masker film and Scotch painters tape. For the cleanest results on every paint job, 3M and the Home Depot have got you covered. With bulk price savings on 3M paint essentials, every day, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. US only.